Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves what is the Holy Bible, what claims does it make about God, and what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Exodus chapters 7 through 9 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org plan. Exodus chapter 7, Introduction. Exodus 7 marks the beginning of the 10 plagues that God inflicts on Egypt as part of his plan to free the Israelites from their enslavement. In this chapter, God calls Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh and commands them to perform miraculous signs to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. Despite these signs, Pharaoh remains stubborn and refuses to release the Israelites, which sets the stage for the plagues that will follow. The Ten Plagues are one of the most well-known and dramatic events in the Old Testament, and they serve as a powerful demonstration of God's power and sovereignty over all creation. Egypt was a mighty nation and was supposedly protected by a large pantheon of Egyptian gods with Pharaoh acting as their divine intermediary. However, we will see through the 10 plagues that these Egyptian gods were powerless before Yahweh to prevent calamity as Yahweh picks them apart plague by plague, bringing Egypt, her gods, and their Pharaoh to their knees. The plagues also reveal the hardness of Pharaoh's heart and his unwillingness to acknowledge Yahweh as the one true God. This chapter includes, I will stretch out my hand, Aaron's staff becomes a serpent, the first plague, blood. Exodus chapter 7 Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall speak to Pharaoh, that he let the children of Israel go out of his land. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not listen to you, so I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring out my armies, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. The Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring the children of Israel out from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. As Yahweh commanded them, so they did. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Yahweh spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Perform a miracle, then you shall tell Aaron, Take your rod and cast it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a servant. Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as Yahweh had commanded. Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then 
Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers. They also, the magicians of Egypt, did the same thing with their enchantments. For they each cast down their rods, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Yahweh said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning. Behold, he is going out to the water. You shall stand by the river's bank to meet him. You shall take the rod, which was turned to a serpent in your hand. You shall tell him, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. Behold, until now you haven't listened. Yahweh says, In this you shall know that I am Yahweh. Behold, I will strike with the rod that is in my hand on the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. The fish that are in the river will die, and the river will become foul. The Egyptians will loathe to drink water from the river. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Take your rod and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, over their streams, and over their pools, and over all their ponds of water, that they may become blood. There will be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did so, as Yahweh commanded. And he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died. The river became foul. The Egyptians couldn't drink water from the river. The blood was throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians of Egypt did the same thing with their enchantments. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Pharaoh turned and went into his house, and he didn't even take this to heart. All the Egyptians dug around the river for water to drink, for they couldn't drink the river water. Seven days were fulfilled after Yahweh had struck the river. The first plague inflicted upon the Egyptians was to poison their water supply by turning the Nile into blood. This was a direct challenge to the Egyptian belief that the Nile River was a sacred source of life associated with the goddess Happy. This plague not only caused extraordinary economic damage to the country, but also demonstrated the futility of relying on false gods for protection and sustenance. Surprisingly, Pharaoh responded to these miracles by calling on his own magicians to repeat the same miracles. Verse 22 reads, The magicians of Egypt did the same thing with their enchantments. So Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he didn't even take this to heart. Pharaoh was skeptical of Yahweh and had confidence in the miracle-working abilities of his own scientists. The novelist Arthur C. Clarke once wrote, 
any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Clearly, there was some repeatable principle behind these miraculous events since Pharaoh's court magicians were able to reproduce their effects. Living in the 21st century AD, I would like to believe that I currently live in an advanced culture, but I know of no scientific process today by which we can transmute water into blood. Something worth thinking about, is it not? Exodus chapter 8, Introduction In Exodus 8, God will send a second plague upon the land, this time with a swarm of frogs, challenging the Egyptian fertility goddess Hecate, often depicted with the head of a frog. Pharaoh's magicians are also able to replicate this sign, but they only make the situation worse. Yahweh will then follow up with plagues of gnats and then flies, which Pharaoh's magicians can no longer copy, and also begins to direct these plagues specifically at the Egyptian population while at the same time protecting his own people against their awful effects. However, despite the growing devastation, Pharaoh continues to resist God's demand to release the Israelites, leading to further plagues in the chapters to come. This chapter includes the second plague, frogs, the third plague, gnats, the fourth plague, flies, Pharaoh's heart hardened. Exodus chapter 8 Yahweh spoke to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him this is what Yahweh says, Let my people go, that they may serve him. If you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your borders with frogs. The river will swarm with frogs, which will go up and come into your house, and into your bedroom, and on your bed, and into the house of your servants, and on your people, and into your ovens, and into your kneading troughs. The frogs shall come up both on you, and on your people, and on all your servants. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your rod over the rivers, over the streams, and over the pools, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. The magicians did the same thing with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat Yahweh that he take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses said to Pharaoh, I give you the honor of setting the time that I should pray for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs may be destroyed from you and your houses and remain in the river only. Pharaoh said, Tomorrow. Moses said, Let it be according to your word, that you may know that there is no one like Yahweh our God. The frogs shall depart from you, and from your houses, and from your servants, and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to Yahweh concerning the frogs which he had brought on Pharaoh. Yahweh did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courts, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. 
But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and didn't listen to them, as Yahweh had spoken. Yahweh said to Moses, Tell Aaron, Stretch out your rod and strike the dust of the earth, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. They did so, and Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and struck the dust of the earth, and there were lice on man and on animal. All the dust of the earth became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried with their enchantments to produce lice, but they couldn't. There were lice on man and on animal. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, This is God's finger. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he didn't listen to them as Yahweh had spoken. Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Behold, he comes out to the water, and tell him, This is what Yahweh says, Let my people go that they may serve me, else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you, and on your servants, and on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground they are on. I will set apart in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there, to the end that you may know that I am Yahweh on the earth. I will put a division between my people and your people. This sign shall happen by tomorrow. Yahweh did so, and there came grievous swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. In all the land of Egypt, the land was corrupted by reason of the swarms of flies. Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go! Sacrifice to your God in the land. Moses said it isn't appropriate to do so, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to Yahweh our God. Behold, if we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, won't they stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to Yahweh our God as he shall command us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Pray for me. Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you. I will pray to Yahweh that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only don't let Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to Yahweh. Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. Yahweh did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also, and he didn't let the people go. Back in Exodus chapter 4, Yahweh said to Moses, When you go back into Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh, all the wonders which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart, and he will not let the people go. What exactly does it mean to harden Pharaoh's heart? And does this imply that Pharaoh 
is somehow a victim of God's manipulation. The text does not reveal how God accomplishes this hardening. Perhaps Pharaoh had an advisor in his court who was directed by Yahweh to tell Pharaoh to resist Yahweh's demands. Perhaps the circumstances of the confrontation forced Pharaoh's hand, leaving him little choice but to follow his stubborn course. Maybe God did perform some kind of mystical mind control against the poor, innocent Pharaoh. And of course, there's always the possibility that Pharaoh was just a jerk by nature. And Yahweh knew about this and chose simply to play into his arrogant personality. What's important to understand is that none of these excuses let Pharaoh off the hook. Pharaoh is king. Pharaoh is responsible for his people, and Yahweh fully intends to hold him and his people accountable for their mistreatment of the children of Israel. Whatever excuse we may wish to make for Pharaoh, God still judges him. But consider, Pharaoh did not receive the same opportunity offered to you. You can repent, be baptized in the name of Christ, and be forgiven for your sins. And so I ask, are you Pharaoh, or are you not? And if you are, will you choose the same path as Pharaoh? using deception and treachery to try to outwit God all the way to the bitter end? Remember this, if Yahweh can harden Pharaoh's heart, then Yahweh can harden your heart as well. Don't assume that you will have a last-minute change of heart when you are finally faced with God's judgment. Of course, I pray that you will have that chance, but there are no guarantees. Exodus chapter 9, Introduction In Exodus 9, God continues to send plagues upon Egypt, this time targeting their cattle and livestock with a deadly disease, thus humiliating the bull god Apis, who can do nothing to protect the Egyptian livestock. After this, a painful and debilitating outbreak of boils finally renders Pharaoh's own priesthood useless, before the might and power of Yahweh. Once again, Pharaoh refuses to listen to Moses and Aaron's pleas to release the Israelites, and God sends a hailstorm to devastate the crops of the land, targeting the Egyptian god of agriculture, Seth. You may recall that Seth also appeared in Genesis chapter 5 as an alternative name for Cain, son of Adam and Eve. Throughout this phase of the confrontation, Pharaoh negotiates with Moses terms of relief for his suffering Egypt. But, as we will see, these negotiations are merely a ploy to try to gain an advantage over Moses, whom Pharaoh assumes is reaching the bottom of his bag of tricks. This chapter includes the fifth plague, livestock, the sixth plague, boils, the seventh plague, hail. Exodus chapter 9 Then Yahweh said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and hold them still, behold, 
Yahweh's hand is on your livestock, which are in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the herds, and on the flocks with a very grievous pestilence. Yahweh will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, and nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Yahweh appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow Yahweh shall do this thing in the land. Yahweh did that thing on the next day, and all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not so much as one of the livestock of the Israelites dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was stubborn, and he didn't let the people go. Yahweh said to Moses and to Aaron, Take handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the sky in the sight of Pharaoh. It shall become small dust over all the land of Egypt, and shall be boils and blisters breaking out on man and on animal throughout all the land of Egypt. They took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up toward the sky, and it became boils and blisters breaking out on man and on animal. The magicians couldn't stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians. Yahweh hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he didn't listen to them, as Yahweh had spoken to Moses. Yahweh said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and tell him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues against your heart, against your officials, and against your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. For now I would have stretched out my hand and struck you, and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this cause, I have made you stand to show you my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth, because you still exalt yourself against my people, that you won't let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as not been in Egypt since the day it was founded, even until now. Now therefore, command that all of your livestock and all that you have in the field be brought into shelter. The hail will come down on every man and animal that is found in the field and isn't brought home, and they will die. Those who feared Yahweh's word among the servants of Pharaoh made their servants and their livestock flee into the houses. Whoever didn't respect Yahweh's word left his servants and his livestock in the field. Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man and on animal and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Moses stretched out his rod toward the heavens, and Yahweh sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the earth. Yahweh rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was very severe hail and lightning mixed with the hail, 
such as had not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and animal. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. Yahweh is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Pray to Yahweh, for there has been enough of mighty thunderings and hail. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to Yahweh. The thunders shall cease, and there shall not be any more hail, that you may know that the earth is Yahweh's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you don't yet fear Yahweh God. The flax and the barley were struck, for the barley had ripened and the flax was blooming. But the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they had not grown up. Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to Yahweh, and the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders had ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. The heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he didn't let the children of Israel go, just as Yahweh had spoken through Moses. The ten plagues of Egypt definitively mark that moment in history when Yahweh, God of Israel, emerged onto the world stage. Verse 15 reads, For now I would have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed for this cause I have made you stand, to show you my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Not only did Yahweh bring the most powerful nation on earth into complete submission, he also accomplished this in a way which could not be explained away by natural phenomena. How was Yahweh able to strike the Egyptians while at the same time protecting his own people in Goshen? Additionally, the sixth plague of hailstones was announced so that those Egyptians who believed in Yahweh's threat could take active precautions to protect themselves along with their households and livestock. Behold, Tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as has not been in Egypt since the day it was founded even until now. Now therefore command that all of your livestock and all that you have in the field be brought into shelter. The hail will come down on every man and animal that is found in the field and isn't brought home, and they will die. Those who feared Yahweh's word among the servants of Pharaoh made their servants and their livestock flee into the houses. Whoever didn't respect Yahweh's word left his servants and his livestock in the field. Not only did Yahweh announce his presence to Pharaoh and his court, but every citizen of Egypt was given a chance to believe in Yahweh's prophecy or to deny Yahweh and suffer the consequences of their disbelief. Let us pray. God is great. 
God is sovereign over all creation. Proverbs 9.10 states, The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. We are eternally grateful for your love, for your grace, and most of all, for your mercy. For if we only got what we deserved, then Father, we have no chance. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates. And join us for our next episode where we will be reading Exodus chapters 10 through 12, Death of the Firstborn. Lord have mercy. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night.